Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Convention Confessional. My name is Katie Hunt, and I'm here for the good, the bad, the ugly stories of the world of conventions. Um, I mean, this month is all dedicated to a cute little convention out in Forks, Washington. Um, and I have yet another guest on with me today from that convention. Hi, V. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Why don't you introduce yourself, hon? Sure. My name is V, known in the fandom as VL as Alice Cullen. And as the name describes uh, or suggests, um, I'm an Alice Cullen cosplayer for an acting troupe called the Olympic Coven. And we are the in-house entertainment for Forever Twilight and Forks, the world's largest Twilight Festival. Awesome. Nice. And uh, uh, so Christy Lim was on last week and she's your Bella, right? She is my Bella. We've known each other for... Oh my gosh, 11 years now. That's crazy. Wow. She and I have been cosplaying together for 11 years. It's like a long-term relationship. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're basically like civil union married. It's true. Yeah. When you want to think about it that way, it's true. <laughs> I can get half of her stuff in the divorce. <laughs> you could. And it's all like Twilight stuff. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So um, she told me that you would probably have some interesting stories to share with us. And uh, I'm here to listen. So... Please, by all means, start it off. Where would you like to start? I I don't even know. Did she tell you how we met? Uh, no, she did not. Well, we met on the good old internet. Mm-hmm. You know, internet friends are real friends, yes. no matter what your mom says. 100%. Um, and she has this blog called Inside Bella's Closet. And uh, I, I was a reader of the blog. I don't cosplay Bella. I've never had a desire to cosplay Bella. I think her style is very not my style. So I've never been drawn toward that type of clothing that she wears, the flannels and all that. Right. But it was really nice to see other people who were collecting Twilight clothing the same way I was online um, and doing it in a very professional way. I mean, she was going to work. She was writing these in-depth blog posts. She had a really great collection. So when I came across her blog, I was like, oh my gosh, I want to be friends with this girl. Um, and she had a section of the blog that was basically inviting other Twilight cosplayers to submit photos of their cosplay. And I didn't, I, I don't think anybody had done it at that point. So I said, you know what? I love attention. So I'm going to send this girl my photos. And I had um, just recently put together an Alice cosplay. From the first film, Alice wears this really cute gray lace dress when she meets Bella for the first time. Um, and so I had put that outfit together and I sent her photos of that. And I believe Alice in her baseball costume as well. Um, and I sent it to her email address and we started talking from there and we were talking over a couple of months. And at one point, I don't remember which one of us said it, but the idea of going to Forks together came up. Um, we were planning a trip to Forks in December of 2010 for the Eclipse DVD release party they were hosting there. Um, so we decided, hey, why not go together and meet up and cosplay and, and have a great time? So we met for the very first time in person after talking for months, like I mentioned, um, at the Seattle airport. <laughs> and it was basically like a dramatic slow motion run toward each other. Like when you're meeting your soulmate for the first time, like not really, but that's how it felt a little bit. Right. So, yeah. So we spent like four days together, um, nonstop, like driving around forks and, and it's like a long drive from Seattle to forks, by the way, it's like four hours. And, like, imagine, like, being in a car with someone you've never met in person, like, having to, like, fill that space. 
and like not knowing how it's going to go and like if you're going to vibe in person but we absolutely did and apparently it worked out because like I said 11 years later here we are still cosplaying together still buds uh she literally just texted me before this so yeah it worked out (laughs) yeah the group message that I had you guys that I had I've been like oh I sent you the link for this and she loved it I was like okay (laughs) yeah she's she I think she's very excited that we're talking actually I'm sure she is probably combusting at the moment Yeah, she definitely, she's like, I wish I could sit in on this. I'm like, well, you can't. Some things are just between us, okay? (laughs) She totally could have. I just would have muted her mic. (laughs) True, true. No, no, don't tell her that. This is an exclusive podcast. You're in it. Never mind, Chris. You heard nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's cute. No, she's she's a sweetheart. I mean, I've known her for um, a couple of years now. Um, and you'll hear our blog meeting because I just, I can't spoil that for you. Like, that'll come out before your episode, but, uh. She is a trip and a half. Like, she is a sweetheart. And um, I think she makes a wonderful Bella. I mean, you make a wonderful Alice, too. Your whole group is amazing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and she's one of the absolute best people, one of my favorite people in the whole world. She's just, like you said, she's sweet, and she's kind, and she genuinely enjoys helping. She's, she's just genuinely one of the the kindest, coolest, best people in the world and would do anything for anyone. So I'm I'm really lucky to have her as kind of my cosplay partner because I'm I'm a big Bella and Alice uh shipper mm-hmm. um I kind of prefer that over like Alice and Jasper just because Jasper has some uh some issues with uh with the way he was written so in 2021 and, and I can't in good conscience um you know uh look at the relationships the way I used to when I first read the book for example so right. I, I find myself you know really leaning toward Bella and Alice these days and of course it has nothing to do with like I don't view Chrissy Lynn in that way. It's just more like, I like these characters and and you're willing to portray them in this way with me. So, you know, cool, let's do that. So yeah, it's been, it's been fun. And uh, the Olympic Coven, I mean, that's been a labor of love. We we formed in 2011 after Chrissy Lynn and I met for the first time in Forks because we met a lady there who was like, oh my gosh, we stepped into her store and we were in cosplay. And she said, you are exactly how I imagined these characters when I was reading the books and I'm, I'm looking to put together a cosplay group here in Forks for the festival that we have annually because I really want to take it from you know a one two-day experience of fans coming to town and just doing random events you know that are kind of Twilight themed and I want to turn it into more of an immersive experience like Disneyland for Twilight fans and of course when you go to Disneyland you meet Mickey Mouse and you meet Ariel and you meet you know Princess Aurora um, she said, I want to be able to offer that to Twilight fans that when they come here, they can meet a real vampire or they can meet Bella or Jacob and create that immersion that fans are really seeking when they come to this kind of little escapist town. You know, when you go to Forks, it really is sort of an escapist experience where you are immersing yourself in the books and the beautiful mist and the fog and the blue tint that actually is is like there in real life. And around every corner, you're kind of hoping like, maybe this was real and I'll get to be part of it. And that's what we bring to people. So it's a really cool experience. That's awesome. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. You guys have like some great locations out there cause it's all the filming locations and stuff. So it's like really, you guys made out budget wise, as far as Disneyland goes, you don't have to build anything. So that's true. Yeah. And it's funny because a lot of people come to Forks not realizing that the movies weren't filmed there. So everything they see in Forks is more what Stephanie Meyer's original vision might've been. Um, so there's like a home that's designated as Bella's house and there's a home that's designated the, you know, the Cullen house and then there's the school and the, the hospital, the, the police department, all of these landmarks, you know, that already existed in the town were kind of conveniently designated as, okay, these are, these are Twilight or hotspots now. So, 
you go there and there's all types of places you can take photos at and people you can meet. But then if you, you know, happen to have time to drive to Oregon, for example, that's where most of the filming sites were for the first film. So you can sort of uh, separate the book and the movie by going to these two separate places and seeing what the vision might have been for either one, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's really cool. And like you said, we made out pretty well with the set pieces. <laughs> it's so real. It is a tree. Ah, exactly yeah no cgi here <laughs> that's a real tree <laughs> <laughs> grew it myself it's like no. oh my god did robert pattinson touch it yeah sure kid oh my god sure. of course yeah and and it's funny because i have some great pictures with chrissy lynn at actual filming sites where robert pattinson probably did touch the tree but you know for me that's not really really the selling point of the tree it's a beautiful tree on its own it doesn't need the validation of robert pattinson right it should have been credited in the movie damn it absolutely <laughs> So any um any interesting guest encounters of any kind or encounters with people? I mean, you guys are so close and personal with like, you know, people obviously getting pictures and things like that, like anything crazy. Yeah, it it is a it is a very up close and personal festival. I mean, it takes place over the course of four days. And like I said, Forks is kind of this escapist sort of town. It takes four hours to drive there. So very few people are actually local enough to just pop in for the day. Mm-hmm. People come, they're staying for like a week which means you end up seeing the same faces over and over again over the course of, of the event, which I mentioned is, is four days long. So, you know, it's, it's kind of similarly paced to your typical convention as you say, um, you know, all the days, except it's a lot smaller and more intimate. So you actually get to recognize the same people and learn, you know, learn their names and have a dialogue with them. So you do end up with some interesting encounters. Um, someone I think of off the top of my head, and it wasn't necessarily a good encounter, but it was this guy who was a really big fan and he um decided he was going to write a twilight fan fiction because oh. he met stephanie meyer and he said something to the effect of you should continue the books um you know and i have this great idea for a story and i just really think that you should write it and she said something like well you know you should write it you know so I, I, she was trying to be encouraging of someone else's passion and fan fiction and stuff, or maybe like even what she viewed as like an original story idea that he had. Sure. But he, he took this as as getting permission from Stephanie Meyer to continue the Twilight Saga on her behalf. Um, and and I think he he met Peter Facinelli at a convention one time, and he mentioned it to him as well. And Peter Facinelli was like, "Cool." And he's he's the guy that plays Carlisle Cullen in the films. He was like, "Cool. It sounds great, kid." So he took it as having endorsement from Stephanie Meyer and an actor in the film. And he was like, okay, like I'm going to write this story. So he sat down and he wrote this fan fiction and he was like convinced that it was going to be like the next Twilight film. Mm-hmm. And he ended up coming to the festival one year, I guess like partially to promote it, but also to like just finally immerse himself in the fandom and his character. Cause obviously it was a self insert and the character was like all up on Alice Cullen and made fart jokes. And it was just like, he was just like, funniest guy in the world according to the Cullens uh, so he came he came to the convention dressed as his character who happened to be a ninja by the way <laughs> so he was dressed as a ninja oh, and no. you know that epic battle between werewolves and vampires and ninjas you know like sometimes the ninja is the tipping point and will be whether you win or lose and <laughs> and the fact that they didn't have a ninja up to this point is probably why this conflict between them has I mean, lasted thousands of years you know I mean obviously yeah, so um, so he showed up in his ninja outfit, and he had real ninja throwing stars with him, too. Ooh. 
And um, at some point, he had messaged me prior to the festival, and he was really enamored with me because in his story, he and I was together. Of course. And I made it pretty clear that that is like not a thing that's going to happen. So he turned on me. He was like, no. He called me an evil little bitch, actually. (gasps) And I ended up blocking him. So he actually, after that, came to the convention, and we saw him there with his ninja throwing stars and he was like waving them at people but also like nunchucks as well and he was like brandishing them like menacingly so the cops ended up being called and this ninja was like escorted from the property and I think he's probably still banned from the convention to this day I would think so yeah yeah like it's been a long time like the the like ownership well not ownership but I guess like the people who run the festival has changed since then there was like Uh a over between 2014 and 2015 so like they may not know the myth of this ninja like the way I do so like maybe he'll make a return someday because his ban would have like ended with the people who ran the festival before mm-hmm. but I don't know I, I just I live in constant fear of like ninjas now <laughs> I just uh, so wait so so did anybody ever see his story of any kind like was oh, it- oh yeah we read it oh. we read it just so like you know because he was he was sending it to everyone like please read my fan fiction and you want to support a fan and and Mm -hmm. you know a lot of people read fan fiction so it was just it was not for me I'll I'll put it that way it was not for me (laughs) like are we talking like my immortal level of like yeah yeah and it was just like it it was just like a like an egregious like again self-insert where he was just like immediately part of the Cullen family and everyone loved him Mm -hmm. and and like I said, the height of his humor was fart jokes, but everybody thought he was like so hilarious and witty and and amazing. And it was just like, you know, but I, I felt for him because it, it was very clearly somebody's fantasy laid out on the page. And, and oh, yeah. I guess like when you're, you know, when maybe things aren't doing very well at home or you don't have a lot going on, like you create these scenarios for yourself where you're like amazing. Right. So right. I definitely I, I can't blame him for that because I definitely have fantasies in the shower of like, and this is what it would be like if I'm famous, you know, but you know, it's another thing to like take your act on the road, show up as a ninja, and then scare people with your nunchucks. I mean, so, yeah, that yeah. is correct. That was interesting. But also for anybody out there that uh, my immortal is a very, very bad Harry Potter fan fiction. <laughs> and yeah. let's leave it at that. Like, if you want to look yeah. it up, look it up. It is a trip and a half. <laughs> yep. You know, and it's kind of funny because when I think of bad fan fiction these days, I think Fifty Shades. Mm-hmm. Fifty Shades started out as Twilight fan fiction mm-hmm. and somehow it got published and E.L. James, the author, has made like a gajillion dollars off of it. And, you know, it's just, I know a lot of people enjoy it, but for me, it's like, it's, it's a little bit hopeful. It's like, if she could do it, I, I could certainly do it. So I that, one started off as a, that one started off as Master of the Universe, right? Master of the Universe. Yeah. yeah. And, and the names were just changed to Anna and Christian, but they were originally Edward and Bella and all of that. So if you if you look at it deeply enough, you'll you'll see like, well, deeply. But if you look at it closely enough, you'll see like, you know, characterization, like instances where it's like, okay, I can kind of see the layers here where this person would have been Bella at one point or might have been Edward or like, oh, his sister is very clearly meant to be Alice. And it's just like, it's interesting, you know, it's, it's interesting what people can get away with because I would have thought that there would be that it would be very illegal to like publish a fan fiction based on someone else's work, but apparently not. And Cassandra Clare did the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So, it's a very blurry line. Yeah, it is. I mean, I mean, technically, but not technically same story. It's just, yeah. Uh, 
I mean, if there was a ninja in it, then it totally would have been the copyright. You know, they really should have had a ninja. They should have been, everything needs a ninja. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, any any other, I mean, like I said, like you've been doing this for how many years now? 11, you said? Yeah, so uh, the Olympic Coven was formed in 2011, but I actually didn't get to come to Forks for the first time as Alice in that official role until 2013 because I used to work in film promotion and uh, a really big uh, film festival always coincided with Forever Twilight and Forks. So I had to choose my career over going to Forks and, you know, I was happy to do it. But, you know, when I when I left that job and started somewhere new, I was like, OK, like this is it. I can finally start going to Forks and use my vacation time on that. So I went for the very first time in 2013. And I have to say, you know, it was a really good first year to go because Stephanie Meyer showed up that year for the very first time at the festival officially. So I I, I picked a good one, you know. Yeah, it's a good year. Yeah. 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 She she showed up randomly back then. The festival was called Stephanie Meyer Day, which she hated, by the way. She was like, please don't name it after me. Like, I don't I don't want that. So the name was switched in 2015 to Forever Twilight and Forks, which is probably more encompassing of everything that Forks has you know, um, or everything Twilight has brought to Forks. Um, but back when it was still Stephanie Meyer Day, she showed up quite randomly with a couple of her friends and was just like, surprise, I'm here. And uh, we got to meet her, obviously. She was actually really cool. I know a lot of people like to dunk on her, but she's a really nice lady. She just really likes to shoot the shit with fans. Um, we met her uh, at the Forks Visitor Center. Um, but then she followed us to La Push. So we, we all went to La Push, which is, um, you know, the reservation that Jake Black lives on. Yep. And we actually all went to the beach together and had s'mores and just sat around the fire talking. Um, and it was just like a really intimate experience. Um, it felt like very surreal. And I don't think it's something that's ever going to happen again because the festival has grown quite a bit since then. So mm-hmm. I think just for safety and, you know, logistics and not attracting a huge crowd, like you could never do that again. But for, for a moment in time in 2013, Stephanie Meyer said that she'd never had s'mores before while we were on a beach sitting around a fire and we made s'mores together and enjoyed them, you know, as, as event attendees. And it was just really, really cool. So that's a story I'll probably never forget. Yeah, that's awesome. Those little experiences are like the best kind. Yeah, absolutely. And she came back again in 2015 because it was the official 10 year anniversary of Twilight by that point. So it was an official thing, not not just a, a pit stop she was making, you know, with her friends. Um, but it was a thing where she was coming to sign people's books and she signed for something like 12 hours. The line was like over a thousand people long. Um, we got our book signed. We got to meet her again. And again, she was just really, really kind and gracious. And, and despite the fact that she'd been sitting there for hours, like she took it completely in stride. And um that year, there was also a contest called um, Twilight Storytellers, and they were trying to elevate women in film. So they were inviting female, you know, screenwriters, directors, um, crew to submit scripts within the Twilight universe so that they could be made into short films by Lionsgate. Um, and three of the short films, I think there were six made, were about Alice. And so I auditioned for a couple of them because I was like, hey, like I'm an Alice, you know, cosplayer, character actress. Like I would love to really like do this thing in film if I can. Um, so I auditioned for a couple of them. Wasn't chosen, unfortunately. The The production budgets were really low. They were like $50,000 and they were all on location, like far away from me. So mm-hmm. like a big part of the budget would have A, gone to like getting me there and B, you know, um, I, I, I had been doing the Alice thing like in Forks for a long time. So it's like theater almost, right? Right. But yeah. I'd never done anything on like film or like movie sets. So I was kind of a 
a tricky person to kind of cast in a movie at that point because they're like our budgets are so limited like if you freeze up on camera like we don't have any other options so unfortunately I wasn't casting any of the films but I did do my own photo shoot based on one of them so I had one of the photos printed out and I gave it to Stephanie and I said hey like I couldn't be part of this film but I think that this thing that you did for women in film was actually really really cool so I wanted to do my own take on it so you know, if, if you'll accept it, like, I'd love you to have this. And I gave her the photo and she was like, oh my gosh, she was like, this looks incredible. I, <laughs> I kind of wish you'd been cast in one of the films now because you look more like my vision of the character than the girl they actually cast in this film. But I've never, I've never really told that story before because I don't want to disparage the person in the film because she did a beautiful job. But in that moment, you know, after feeling kind of like rejected, like, oh, I wasn't cast in this movie. That was kind of the ultimate validation. I mean, that's all you need, really. It's like, I don't need the part. That's all you need. And maybe she was just being nice, and probably she was, but that stuck with me, and it's those moments of kindness. Um, You know, I try to pass it on to the guest experience as well in Forks because everybody likes Alice, and everybody likes Alice because she feels like your best friend. Mm -hmm. So when I'm interacting with people in Forks, I want to give them the best friend experience. You know, I I compliment their outfit or their hair. I tell them they're beautiful. Or, you know, I I go out of my way to like dance with them or it's just I want to make people feel that warm presence that Alice has. And and I think probably the most special thing about Forks is that you can have that lingering impact on people the way Stephanie saying a few kind words to me Mm -hmm. made an impact on me. So it's kind of coming full circle, you know? Yeah, Alice is definitely like my favorite character of the series. Yeah, I don't I don't blame you. And it's funny because for me, I didn't gravitate toward Alice at all at first because I had... You know, I got into Twilight because I had just gotten out of a relationship. So when I read it, I was really focused on the romance element because it was a little bit of wish fulfillment at the time, right? And of course, I'm not, I'm not reading it critically in that moment, you know, of, I'm not reading it through a 2021 lens of like, oh, this is like, kind of sketchy. He came in through her window and he like took the engine out of her car. Like you're not reading it in that lens right. in, in 28, you know, or 2008. Sorry. Right. He's just um, standing there staring her, watching her breathe. You're like, okay. Exactly. In the moment it all felt very romantic, but you know, I was really drawn toward Edward at that time, but I got a bunch of my friends after that because I was obsessed and they were like, um, you know, when I was reading the book, I really imagined this character, Alice as you. And I was like, Alice, like, I guess. And then when I like took a deeper look, I was like, okay, we're described pretty similarly. Oh, okay. Yeah. We've got pretty similar interests. Yep. Love to plan events. Okay. I can see it. So, (laughs) you know, when they started casting for the movie and, um, you know, Ashley Green was cast, I certainly didn't think I looked like Ashley Green whatsoever, but I thought, you know, was like the hair and the makeup, like now that I have a direction in terms of what people are going to know she looks like rather than what my headcanon was, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I think I could replicate this, you know? So I started putting the costumes together and, and, and that's kind of how, how it was born. So it was really my friends encouraging me to do it and saying like, this character reminds me of you. So when people say they love Alice, I kind of take it personally, you know, I'm like, you love, you love me then, but no, not really. They have no idea who I am. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it's like one of those situations where it's like, I'm glad the, like the stories are the stories and she's just left it at that, you know, like this is what I wrote. This is what it is. But there's always been a part of me that kind of wished that like, even like for an anniversary of the book or something, she'd gone back and kind of written the backstories for the other characters just to see where they came from. Not like full books or anything, but you know, like Alice, like you hear like bits and pieces of Alice's backstory, but I kind of want to know how she got from point A to point B. 
Yeah, and there's quite a bit of that covered in terms of her backstory in the illustrated guide, but it covers like sort of an overview from the time she was born to the time she was turned. But Mm -hmm. she was turned in 1920. So there's a big chunk of time between, you know, Alice being turned and meeting Jasper. And then, you know, up until she meets Bella and, and, you know, enters Bella's story that we have no idea who she is or what she does or how she spent her time, how she like acclimated to being a vampire or you know, um, being in the human world as a newborn vampire who had no direction in terms of how to be a vampire. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot there that we don't know. And I think she would basically have a license to print money if she were to go back and write those stories. But oh yeah, yeah. I guess she also has more money than God at this point. So she probably isn't motivated by that. <laughs> right, exactly. Like I said, I always I always said that would have been a cool thing to have like happened just to be like, hey, let's explain this character a little bit, give you like a two hundred page book. You're like, okay, cool, cool, cool for like everybody, and then. But again, I don't write it, unfortunately. I didn't. It's true. I didn't hit that it's, money train. <laughs> yeah, you know, I would love to get on that train, but in a non creepy writing fan fiction of someone else's work type of way, you know. Right. Um, that's actually what the Twilight storytellers were. They were an opportunity to. Um, created screenplay around a character whose story you really wanted to tell because the the rules of the contest were that you couldn't write um, about Edward or Bella. Um, so it kind of opened up a world of other characters. And Alice to that point was one of the most popular characters and still is who hadn't had her story explored almost whatsoever. So people took what they knew from the illustrated guide and sort of extrapolated upon it and wrote stories. And three of the screenplays chosen were about Alice. And it was about, one was about her time in the asylum one was about being turned into a vampire and the other was kind of her meet cute with Jasper when they met in a diner for the first time. But it's amazing to me, even though these stories are told, so many Twilight fans don't know about them and they probably wouldn't consider them canon anyway because they don't star the actors that were in the films. They were all independent actors because again, $50,000 budget, you're not going to get Ashley Green to star in your movie. No. But they are canon. They were they were taken from the illustrated guide. They were approved by Stephanie, you know. So so these these details are are real now. But a lot of people again just don't know about them because it wasn't you know one of the big films. So right. it is it's a shame that you know these little pieces of I guess character history are still largely unknown. Yeah. And um, like people like when you go to these festivals, they probably don't even like expect you to like tap on that. They're more worried about like whatever you're focused on for the day like I guess you um Kristen was saying you guys did like sometimes there's like a theme year like the one year would be like all breaking dawn or one year would be all like eclipse or something exactly yeah the the festival is typically themed by year this year is breaking dawn again um so really excited about that we we did breaking dawn pretty recently I think we did it in 2018 as well and we did um, Bell and Edward's wedding ceremony as part of that, which was really cool. So um, we, I think in 2012, they did the actual like ceremony, but this time it was the reception. Mm-hmm. Um, so Chrissy Lynn got fake married at one point, but this time we, we avoided all that. So it was just the party element. Mm-hmm. And actually one of the most special things um, I've ever done, I think, at this event was watch Christy Lynn and Alan, who was our Edward, do their first dance in front of everyone. Um, and I think they danced the flightless bird American Mouth in the first film. And I mean, in that moment, like, yeah, I'm, I'm an actor and I'm portraying a role and I'm standing there in Alice's bridesmaid dress and I'm all dressed up, but I'm also a fan. So I was like really struggling not to cry because it was one of the most beautiful things I'd ever seen in my life. 
Um, and then, you know, they're dancing and, and everyone's in a circle around them watching. But my Jasper, whose name is Nick, is a phenomenal dancer. And I'm really lucky because I'm not. And Alice is supposed to be an amazing dancer, but he makes me look quite good. But he led us onto the floor. All the Cullen couples um, ended up and somehow in like perfect synchronization. I don't think we planned this dancing around Edward and Bella, then it just created this really pretty tableau. And, and as I was spinning around and like, you know, catching glimpses of people every so often, I just saw people bawling. Like they were so happy. And it was just like a really magical moment for a lot of people. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm contributing to this. Like I'm making people so happy by bringing this fantasy to life. And it was probably to this day, probably one of the most surreal things I've ever done and it was just something that was so small nerve-wracking in the moment because again I'm dancing in front of a bunch of people but when I go back and I look at video of it I'm like wow that was a really special see Disney got nothing on you guys Disney got nothing on us <laughs> we got our own electrical parade thank you <laughs> True, but you know what it's funny how many of our cast members actually are either current or former Disney employees yeah oh yeah yeah I mean they they pretty much like train those people to be like you're on at all times like if that's, you're out you're on and if you're not on then you're home that's exactly it and and nick our jasper played aladdin for like 10 years so he was so immersed in the disney world that he just knew everyone and he had so many suggestions for casting he's like oh i know these people who would be perfect for Cousin and carlisle i have the perfect jacob who looks just like taylor lautner so he is our own mini casting director and he pulls from a pool largely of disney people and um, it's interesting because they're definitely used to a different standard of, of care at Disney. Like they get breaks every 15 minutes or whatever. In Forks, it's a lot more, I mean, you're on for a lot longer and the conditions are a lot more, I want to say strenuous because it's colder in Forks than they're used to. It rains a lot. So it's definitely not the, not the Disney experience. Um, it's something you have to get used to for sure. And I think it's a little bit of a culture shock the first year they do it, but it's so fun. And we meet so many cool people that I think it's easy to forget by the end of the weekend that you were soaked for most of it or cold. Right. <laughs> and you just focus on all the cool people that you met. So yeah, Disney, great recruiting platform for Twilight cosplayers. Thanks, Mouse. <laughs> not sponsored. <laughs> please give us money <laughs> please, please sponsor us <laughs> oh my goodness could you imagine twilight gets bought out by disney it would yeah and then suddenly like having alice and edward in the parks is like disney official i'd apply for that job <laughs> they'd be in adventureland <laughs> yeah you know i mean i don't think i would get that job now because when i when i started doing this i was 20 at uh, 21 i'm the same age as ashley green i think i'm six months younger um, so she and I started being Alice, quote unquote, around the same time, obviously me in a very unofficial small way, but, um, you know, we, we started at the same time and I'm still doing it years later, which says a lot about how lame I am since she's moved on. Um, but <laughs> no, but it's, it's a great hobby. And, but, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm 33 now going on 34. So I, if, if Disney ever did add the columns to Adventureland for whatever reason, I would not be cast in my own role because they would think I was too old. So there's that. <laughs> womp womp. Womp womp. Which is kind of stupid because like, hi, vampire, hello. I know. And I, I tell people all the time because there, are, there have been a lot of new Twilight cosplayers that have emerged over the past year, probably because people are looking for a creative outlet, you know, during this quarantine. Mm-hmm. 
And many of them are like, well, you know, I, I get pretty negative feedback sometimes from my followers because they tell me I'm too old or I'm not pretty enough. And, and granted, some of these people are like 21. So I do wonder who's commenting and what their standards are. Basically. Um, yeah, basically. It's like 14 year olds who think that you're old at 18, basically. Yeah. Um, so they're like, how do you how do you deal with, you know, the negative elements of it, of people leaving these criticisms that are not constructive at all and, and very clearly designed to hurt you or like maybe dissuade you from doing this ever again. And I tell them, you know what? I'm a better Alice now at 33 than I ever was at 21 because I know myself better. I know more about the world. I know how to interact with people better, how to converse with people, how to make them feel good. I know more about the character. Um, you know, so regardless of age, I, I, and, and how that might look, I feel like in terms of embodying the character, I do a much better job now than I ever did. So I say, you know what, don't worry about those criticisms because you're amazing now and you're only going to get better over time. So embrace I mean, it. And it's like, I mean, I've been doing this for m- many, many, many moons, <laughs> many moons. And again, you know, like I, I, I always say like my first costume, I went to a con in a painted wig. Yeah. And people thought it was amazing because that's like the time period that we were in. And now if I ever walked into a convention like that, it would be like, that person needs like an adult. Absolutely. You would would have. That's the whole point of cosplay. It's like you start off your first costume. Maybe you're lucky and your first costume is absolutely amazing. And you're just that good, of you know, like that good a person. But like the majority is you show up, you have a costume that you worked very hard on that probably isn't like the best, but it's something you're very proud of. You know, and then, you know, over time, if you continue the hobby, it just it grows and you get more seasoned and better at it because that's like with anything in your life. It's like you have to, you know, work on it to make it better. Exactly. So I don't really understand the emphasis on youth at that point, because when you when you show up to a convention and and you realize like, oh, this costume that I'm very proud of you know, there's room for improvement. Like, look at all these people who have been doing this for years. I want to be like them. And you only get that over time. So yeah, I I don't really understand. And of course, like the money that comes along with it as well. It's very hard to put together a cosplay as a teenager or, you know, a super young adult because the the finances just aren't there for most people. You know, for me, I feel like I look better in my thirties. I have the money to invest in the cosplay and I've grown my Alice wardrobe and, and collection of wigs and contact lenses over time. And and that's just not something that you can do, you know, as an emerging cosplayer, at least not right away. You know, right. it takes time to, to build your collection or, or create a cosplay or, or whatever it is. So I would just encourage people to be patient because the best, I mean, truly is, is yet to come when it comes to cosplay. hundred percent. And I mean, again, like I, I personally like started off years ago, probably, let's say probably like what, 13 years ago now, maybe um, as a Tony Stark cosplayer. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I look at the old pictures and I laugh about it because I was just like, oh, man, I was such a fetus. Like, I look like such <laughs> a baby. And now in the last several years, it's like, you know, I for for that character in particular, it's like I don't wear a wig because my hair's already short. I'm salt and peppering, you know, mm-hmm. like in my own age because old. And it's like, but now I feel like I look more like him now than I ever did 13 years ago exactly like some characters just get better with age and thankfully that's one of them that's very true and and alice i mean you know there there is obviously a huge fixation with youth and twilight yeah and alice canonically she was physically 19 and probably looked quite a bit younger because she was only four foot ten 
Um, but you know, I, I take good care of myself and, and at the end of the day, it's not really about how you look, it's how you embody the character. And right. if you if you make people feel welcomed enough and they have a good enough experience with you, they don't really remember, oh, you know, necessarily the full details of how you look. They sketch an outline of you in their mind. And what's filled in is the amazing experience. Like that's what fills in the blanks. So, exactly. You know, that's, that's kind of how I look at it. And I think about it now and I'm, I think about the situations I was in as like a, a 19 year old cosplayer going to like fan expo for the first time. I was dressed as Chi from Chobits and it was a really cute costume. It was probably one of my first official cosplays. And the situations I found myself in at that convention, because I was very naive and didn't know much about the world and, and how people viewed cosplayers, especially in certain costumes. I mean, I ended up being coerced into this photo shoot by these much older men, like on the con floor. So it's not like they lured me off the floor or anything, but they had me in some pretty suggestive poses that I didn't even realize were suggestive for why they were asking me to do these things. And it was a family friend who was older than me. And he was like my chaperone basically at the convention who had wandered away for a minute, came back, saw what I was doing and was like, oh, no, 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 no. You like get the fuck away from her. Like we're done. Here. <laughs> yeah. and, but I was like, what's wrong? Like, you know, like, like had empty no thoughts because I didn't know. And now I would never be in a situation like that because I've been exposed to more of the world and I, I know how some of these people are now. So, you know, there are definitely good things that come with age and experience. And I, I kind of shudder a little bit to think about some of the first time cosplayers who are quite young and picked the cosplay over the you know course of COVID and are going to go to their very first convention when things start opening up and they're not going to have a clue what the con etiquette is like or, or what these situations are or how people really act in these spaces. So I'm a little bit afraid for them. I'm, not, I'm worried about going back in general, like honest, honest fears. Like some of these people have been locked up like in their houses for like two years they yep. like don't know how to person in general, like, a, you know, like a smaller group of people, not like everybody, but you know what I mean? Like there's like a group of people that you're just like, you worry that they don't even know how to like social cue or anything to begin with. And then they're going to go out into this convention world after like two years. And it's going to be like, Oh, this is tricky. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a very frightening prospect, but yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. Cause it's been a long time since I've been to, uh, a more traditional convention as well, like dressing cosplay. Like I still try to go to Fan Expo. The big one here was um, Anime North. Um, and that was like a really great anime convention that I went to for a number of years. But for me, I've been really focused on Forever Twilight and Forks because there's that professional element of I'm being hired to go here. Um, you know, I'm, I'm entertaining people on a Disneyland sort of level. So this is the cosplay that I'm going to invest most of my time and resources in because there's an expectation of excellence here. So um, I'm, I'm excited to, you know, now that I am a little bit older and, and have more resources, think about some other cosplays as well, so that I can start going back to other conventions on, on sort of the off season too, you know? Right. right. Makes sense to me. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking about my first con back. I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to wear? <laughs> what what would be your first con back? Uh, my first convention back is probably going to end up being Anime Boston next year. Um, oh. I work at the convention as um one of the MCs for the masquerade and I work in cosplay headquarters um basically helping to register people in and make sure everybody's good and all that jazz so that would be my first convention back um I mean honestly it's like you'd think over like the course of like a lockdown everyone's like I'm gonna make all of my costumes and that's not what happened <laughs> 
at all. No. And, and I mean, I made a lot of content, um, but I didn't really make any new costumes. Right. And one of the great things for me over the course of quarantine was I discovered TikTok. And uh, it's one of the things that unfortunately is now sucking away hours of my life every day because I'm so obsessed with it. But just from a viewer, viewership standpoint, I'm not constantly making content, but I have almost 300,000 followers on TikTok and I've grown that following in, in, you know, a little over a year. And that was a really great creative outlet for me because I could, you know, put on my costume, um, you know, show off some of the work that I've done as Alice and really connect with a new uh, group of people, which is how I've sort of connected with some younger fans of Twilight as well, because there was a really big Twilight renaissance over over the course of quarantine as well. I think a lot of people were returning to things that made them feel safe and nostalgic, mm-hmm. things they liked when they were younger or were just like barely introduced to by maybe their parents. Um, and Twilight was definitely one of those things. So I gained an, uh, a really big audience on TikTok really quickly. And a lot of those people I'm probably going to meet for the very first time when we return to Forever Twilight and Forks in September. So I'm really excited to kind of take those um, online friendships offline and sort of bring it full circle the way I did with Christy Lynn. So yeah, it's, it's crazy to think about. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much for coming on V. It's been wonderful talking to you. Um, Is there anything you would like to promote while you're here, dear? Yes. So as I mentioned, uh, Forever Twilight and Forks is returning uh, with guests um, this September for the first time in, well, I guess two years. Mm -hmm. The dates for that are September 9th through 12th. So tickets are sold out for the full weekend passes, but you can still purchase individual tickets if anybody happens to be in the area that weekend and would like to drop in on some of the events. Um, the Olympic Coven is going to be there. I'm going to be there. We have special guests from the Twilight Saga who will be there as well. Billy Burke, uh, who played Charlie Swan, will be there, which is very cool. He's going to be there during the wedding year. Uh, I know. It's <laughs> really cute. I um, feel like if you guys don't get a picture of him at least like arm in arm with Kristen Lynn in a wedding dress, then it's not worth it. That would be really, really cute. And I hope he grows a mustache because he doesn't normally have one. He grew it for Charlie. So I think it would just be... A really nice nod if he if he grows it out a little again but I know uh, who knows who knows what he'll do but um and if you'd like to follow me online I am um at mary.alice.brandon on Instagram and maryalicebrandon no dots on TikTok and you can follow the Olympic Coven as well at the Olympic Coven on Instagram and TikTok. awesome well thank you again for coming on um we will have yet another wonderful member of your gang on next week as well to help close out our twilight month to help you guys promote but also because i think this whole twilight festival convention thing is amazing it's (laughs) so so different everyone's always talked about just like their anime conventions or you know dragon cons or comic cons and things i'm like i i just like it's what the show is about is just bringing in different you know, different platforms of things like out there just to like let the world know, you know, so I'm glad that I can help you guys kind of get out there a little bit more too. Thank you so much. And yeah, it's really amazing how many Twilight fans don't even know that Forever Twilight and Forks exist or that Forks is even a real place that wasn't just dreamed up by Stephanie Meyer. So thank you so much for the exposure. Hope that uh, new Twilight fans learn about the festival this way and are intrigued enough to go check it out. And for those who do want to check it out, Head to www.forevertwilightandforks.com. You can see the event schedule. You can see ticket pricing. And if you can't make it this year, 2022 will be a great year as well. So, But also, if you can't make it, Disneyland's open. You know? <laughs> but if, you, if you're if you a Twilight fan and you need to make a choice between going to Disneyland for the thousandth, thousandth time or, you know, checking out Forks, 
You got to do forts at least once. I mean, at least once. Right, right. No ninjas, though. No ninjas. Banned from the premises. No ninjas. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Have a good night, everybody. Bye. Bye.